Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This week's podcast is sponsored by Chloe. It's the fashion brand that's feminine, cool, and put the it bag on the map, but they also led the trend for the it fragrance too. Their Eau de Parfum is a real modern classic from the scent to the campaign to the bottle, which let's face it, looks pretty damn good on a dressing table. And just as the Chloe girl has evolved over the years, so have their fragrances. Each one has a different take on that cult rose note, which makes it intense, sensual, but still wearable too. If you want to find out more, head to debenhams.com to see the full range of scents. Welcome to the Sherlock's Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined by Heather Steele, Astro Carter, and a very special guest, Charlotte Sinclair. Charlotte is a freelance journalist and was a contributing editor at British Vogue. She writes on arts, travel, and fashion for the Financial Times, Condé Nast Traveller, and Australian Vogue. Has also penned Vogue on Dior, Vogue on Versace, and we're thrilled to say is now a Sherlock's contributor. Welcome, Charlotte. <laughs> Woo, that was a mouthful. Oh, no, thank you. Lovely <laughs> to have you. Quite an intro. Uh, yeah, that was, that's a serious uh, bio there, isn't it? Well, it's very pertinent, Charlotte, that you're here. Um, I was in Amsterdam this weekend. Oh, on, yeah, yeah, on a mini mini break. That's generous. It was it was forty eight hours. I wasn't there for very long. Europe does Christmas really well, mm-hmm. and there's nothing like a European city break at this time of year to really get you feeling yeah. particularly festive. So I'm, I'm in like the best mood today. It was such a lovely break. Charlotte, Amsterdam, are you a fan? <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge fan. I actually haven't been for years though. So I, I you probably know more than I do. But I know, I certainly know all the new hotels opening up, restaurants. And it's just, it's a beautiful city. Mm-hmm. Everyone speaks English. Everyone's yeah. unbelievably attractive. Yes. <laughs> It's because they buy, cool. they cycle everywhere. Yeah, everyone's, you can no walk or cycle. There. Yeah. yeah, it's such mm. a healthy living. Healthy, yeah. And Nordics. The f- I know we were saying, Charlotte, before you went, that the food scene has just completely transformed. Completely. I remember when I, I went when I was nineteen, and it wasn't that good there. No. There weren't great restaurants. Hot dogs, just yeah. I, chips. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> chips, yeah, yeah. chips yeah. It might have been because I was nineteen, but also because there weren't that many yeah. restaurants. Um, and then I went a few years ago, and I, it was just completely different. Totally. So. I was last there four years ago, and we really struggled for restaurants at the time and now yeah like so many I mean they're particularly good at brunch there's a big Aussie yes. scene there uh, yeah and they're really good for breakfast but um yeah even for all other cuisines I feel like they're really upping their game and some, as you say some really lovely hotels we stayed at the Dylan which oh, I've got to give a shout out to it was oh, so nice it looks amazing yeah it's gorgeous so Charlotte that was my city break done for the year <laughs> um where are your Top picks in Europe for this time of year? Well, Copenhagen, of mm-hmm. course, which I've just written about for you guys. It's just a lovely Christmassy city, especially Tivoli Gardens. They have this amusement park, and rather than a kind of winter wonderland, slightly scraggy around the edges, it's all so beautiful. It's been there for 150 years, oh. and it's beautiful little roller coasters. But the stalls and the restaurants they have there are actually really beautiful. They have a lot of design pieces within these little stalls. So it's like going to a proper, beautifully thought out installation, but it's there all year round. That's so nice. It's really gorgeous. Whether you have or haven't been to Copenhagen, you must check out Charlotte's piece that's live on the site this week. 
if you have been, it will just kind of bring back all those memories. When I read your copy, it totally took me back there, took me back to Tivoli. And if you haven't been, it will totally inspire you to go. So check it yeah, out. Yeah, it's a very livable city. And you do go there and think, I could I could just live there. And the people, again, are really attractive. Why do I always feel like <laughs> yeah. find all it the people so attractive? Like most European countries <laughs> Apart from here, yeah, that is the general theme. Yeah. You really can't. Walking yeah. around a European city, you really yeah. do notice the Brits, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a really stylish city. There's great fashion there. There's great style. There's obviously incredible design, tradition. It's a walking city. You can get around there really quickly. Mm. You don't need to take Uber. You don't need to take cabs. You can just walk. Even when it's cold and snowy, it's so atmospheric and it can get really cold. Mm-hmm. So be very very prepared but you can buy everything out there if you you know I used to go there and I forgot my gloves and just go and buy them yeah. so it's a good excuse to get a very yeah, nice coat yeah, or yeah. some gloves or a scarf this is going to make me sound so terrible and uncultured but it, it is really lovely when you go to a city where there's it, there's not a load of pressure to do kind of historical sites and things mm. obviously in Europe we've got places like whatever Paris Rome, Venice where you, mm. you know, you've got a big hit list of things to do but I went to Stockholm earlier in the year and it was so lovely just being able to wonder Yes. And I get the impression that Copenhagen's kind of similar. Mm-hmm. You can just wander and yeah. shop and eat. And yeah. That's, that's and the buildings themselves are so beautiful. A bit like Paris or, mm. or London, you know, the, the buildings are so beautiful and historic and you can wander through the royal palaces and, but, you know, not go into anything if you yeah. don't feel yeah. like it. That sounds perfect <laughs> yeah. to me. What's your favourite place for City Break at this time of year? Probably Copenhagen because... I've only been once, but it just felt so Christmassy. And yeah, like you said, Charlotte, it can get so bitterly cold, but it's just a different cold. Like, people, they're prepared for it. Mm. It feels, it's not here where it's kind of wet and miserable. Yes. So yeah, definitely Copenhagen. Nice. Heather, what about yeah. you? Yeah, I did go to Reykjavik one year at this time of year because it's a, a friend's birthday in December. So we went for his 30th about seven years ago, and that was really, really did cool. Did you see the lights? Yes. Wow. Did you? Wow. Yes. Yeah, so we, we got lucky. I went, I've been twice and I saw them both times. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, definitely lucked out. But yeah, it's always cold at this time of year yes. so it's just kind of an extension of what you'd expect but no oh. rain <laughs> so many trips so little time let's talk about new year's eve it's only four weeks yes yeah, yeah. really four quick. weeks mm. it's come around very very quickly does anyone here have new year's eve plans mm. I'm, I'm going to ibiza Ooh, <laughs> lovely. which sounds so much more up for it than yeah. <laughs> actually i'm going to go stay with some friends i really am a new year's eve refuse nick <laughs> and I don't know why, because it's just a normal night where you stay up a little bit later mm-hmm. than normal. But it has so much expectation placed on it. Yeah. yeah. And it has to be the best night and you have to really enjoy it. And it has to just be quite extravagant or your mood needs to meet the occasion. And there's just too much pressure. And I don't think I've ever enjoyed a New Year's Eve that much. I've only started loving them since I just let that pressure go and me and my friends just get really drunk at someone's house That's and nice. have a nice time. Yes, I so. think the less you do, yeah. the better. Exactly. if you just treat it like a normal night, yeah. we're just going out for dinner. Yeah. Don't yeah. go to Trafalgar Square. No, 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 no. no, no, no. outside. <laughs> yeah. Actually, don't go outside. Don't go to a club or anything no, no, no. like don't that. Go don't pay £50 anywhere. Pounds to get in anywhere. I feel like everybody yeah. has to learn that lesson the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. Like everybody tries <laughs> all of those combinations. Mm-hmm. Like, no, this does so not work. Hard. Like one of my worst memories is going up to London. I must have been about 10, 
years old with my mum and some friends of hers and just standing in a crush of people watching some quite poxy fireworks mm -hmm. and then trying to get home again. Yeah. 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 I remember on the I've Millennium driving home from London like after midnight and people banging on the car doors and I was, yeah, I was like oh, nine. Horrid. That's <laughs> scary. It's quite, it's so it's scary. scary. Yeah. yeah. It's really, it Do you remember really when everyone was um, so terrified of the Millennium Bus? Yes. <laughs> and then nothing. And they had like live coverage of it all night and, it was like, and like, well, nothing ever happened. Yeah. yeah. It was like people one of Australia survived. Like, survived. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Ashton, New Year's plans? I never do anything big like a ticketed event or anything like that. Just have friends around for dinner or go to a friend's house. But this year I haven't got any plans. I'd quite like to just stay in, make some nice food. Mm. Maybe have a bottle of champagne or something, but nothing. Just the two of you. I'd quite like to do that. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that'd that be nice. nice one year. Maybe that's because you're in the throngs of a new relationship. Like, <laughs> you're like, so boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we were saying we were talking about it on the show this week. But if you've got a partner who falls asleep, like the minute you sit down in front of the TV, and then you literally spend it alone, oh, like, then to sleep at nine. So yeah, great. That's fine. I'm great at falling asleep. Oh, that's films. Me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's me as well. I can't fall asleep in front of a film, but I just quite like to be in bed. Yeah, and <laughs> I don't. But if you like... have to stay awake till twelve, like that's quite a lot of pressure. You know, you're just yeah, kind of pressure, watching, aren't you? Yeah. Like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Thing? Also, if you've got a three-year-old, as I do, who wakes up at seven o'clock, sometimes six o'clock, sometimes mm -hmm. five. Yeah. Five. <laughs> just the the sheen goes off late nights mm -hmm. quite dramatically. I get that. Yeah. It's not to say you don't do them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's New Year's. Yeah. Uh, so, what will you be doing in Ibiza? Will you be going out or will it be? Um, no, we'll be, we're staying with friends, mm -hmm. so they'll probably have people round. Nice. And just do a bit of supper and then okay. stay up, and then at five past midnight. Well, I'm doing similar. I'm having dinner party this year, and yeah, I think keeping it low key is the way forward. Has anyone got some any real horror stories or some really good New Year's Eves? Heather, you said it's fun. Just getting drunk I think, yeah, basically, yeah, just going around to somebody's house. There's a really good pub around the corner from me. So the last couple of years, we've ended up just going there from about eight until ten and then going back and having a very late raclette night. Oh, uh, my friend's got a raclette machine. Nice. So basically just eating loads of cheese okay, and perfect. drinking wine. And yeah, just I think as long as you, you're with the, not the right people, but as long as you're with good people, mm. I think you don't have to go anywhere crazy. And yeah, you don't have to worry about getting home or yes. any of that. Yeah. So yeah. That's yeah, my. That's I remember being I like a teenager doing. and at school. I went to school in Guildford, and we used to meet up under the clock on Guildford High Street, <laughs> and it was just a snogathon. <laughs> <laughs> and I was very prudish and just used to kind of st stand back in slight horror and watch my friends snogging. You know, <laughs> so that many blokes. Yeah. <laughs> I have a memory which may or may not be true, of a friend of mine snogging a policeman that night. <laughs> surely... Yeah, surely not okay. Surely so not okay. But I just remember, and slightly gross, her coming to school with all of these mouthwashes. Oh, oh and, gross. Yeah. From a dirty policeman. <laughs> well, and the other 20 boys. <laughs> I don't know what it was about New Year's Eve, but it seemed to be about quantity rather than quality. Yeah, snogging a lot of people. When you're a That's teenager, so there's funny. definitely a pressure to find a New yeah. Year's kiss, isn't there? Yeah. Well, Heather, you wrote a piece on the 16 spots to book now for New Year's Eve. I feel like we've just sat here and bashed. I was just going out at all. But if you do want to go out, and I have to say, actually, some of these do sound so lovely. Yeah. I love the idea of the Tate Modern one. Yeah, so nice. If um, I were to go out, then yeah, that um, so the that Natural was, History Museum always throws an amazing bash. Yeah, so the Tate, they're doing drinks in a canopy reception on their viewing terrace. And then a four-course dinner, and then barrel aged Negronis and a DJ set. Presumably none of these are cheap. I think some of them are cheaper than others, but I don't think that one will be. No, I think sounds quite nice. But yeah, you, there you're just right in the thick of where all the fireworks are going to be going off. True. So you'll obviously get to uh, 
watch them without being yeah crushed on the south True. bank with everyone else and there were lots of civilised things like Frenchie and Covent Garden were doing a nice dinner or that I thought there was some fun themed events going yes. on like a blitz party a prohibition party and Tropicana Beach Club yep a People Cuban go quite party, party. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah they love a theme yeah they mm. do okay well check out that piece if you're looking for a bit of inspo for what to do this year Behind the scenes viewers will note that our features writer Pascal underwent quite a feat last week <laughs> with her Christmas sandwich taste test. How many was it in total? 35? 35. 35. Ella's confirming. 35 sandwiches. Pascal oh tasted. Goodness. Yeah, yeah. She, she didn't is, eat all 35. She didn't eat all the sandwiches, <laughs> but she did try. Yeah. She sampled all of them. Um, what can we say? She's dedicated <laughs> to her work. Um, and all in aid of finding out which are the best Christmas sandwiches this year. Eats came out on top. Their ham, French brie and cranberry baguette. I can confirm. It was delicious. That did sound lovely. It was really good. Next was Benugo's British Turkey Bacon and Stuffing Bloomer. And that was actually last year's winner. And... Third was Pool's Ham Hock Fest Sandwich. Well, she's put that third in her thing, but I remember at the time her thinking that there was a lot of ham. Like, it's, there's, <laughs> there's a really large ham to bread ratio in that so say, I've never seen so much meat stuffed into one sandwich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a lot of meat. Anyway, um, anyone here partial to a Christmas sandwich? Do you know, I've never bought a Christmas sandwich in the shop. <clears throat> it's all about, I don't know, having it on the day, isn't it? Yeah, I like never the get that evening. feeling. Mm. I'm not excited by yeah. it. Yeah. I think there are things that can make you feel more festive than like dried turkey and bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. Astrid? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I don't really go out and buy them, but I do love making leftovers yeah. on Boxing Day. Yeah. Boxing Day morning brunch, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. is the best. We're living the night off, right? In front of the telly. Yeah. 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 After the lunch. Yeah. Actually, no, I hit the cheese Nine o'clock. Mm. You no, know, I do a sandwich. Yeah. Interesting. So then Pascal did a roundup of the best of the rest. That included things like Starbucks's brie and cranberry for Katcha, uh, Leon's Christmas wrap, and obviously Pret's Christmas lunch sandwich. Did any of these sound appealing to anyone? I quite like the sound of uh, Leon, uh, Gizzy Erskine's done a turkey curry, which I reckon Ooh. would be quite nice. Different. Yeah. How Not a we... sandwich though, but still, you know, something festive that yes. you can have on the menu. Do we feel that these are like a corruption of, there's a lot of like vegan stuff. We, I think we had like a faux turkey one even that was like oh, yes. a tofu thing. There was some falafel options. Um, is this a corruption of the sacred Christmas sandwich or are we just no. times changing <laughs> I think it's fine <laughs> but really what you think you can dress up falafel in like a red packaging and be like yeah it's a Christmas sandwich I'm not so sure it's, it's well, strange it's, a, it's Christmas food somewhere <laughs> yeah that's true perhaps it is okay so you all love a leftover Christmas sandwich what makes the perfect leftover sandwich for me stuffing bread sauce and sausage you just sounded so I've never (laughs) sounded more of them before ever and then you came out with stuffing yeah it's any you words of mine that's where it all comes sorry so say that again stuffing stuffing sausage and bread sauce okay Mm. nice is the bread sauce the moistener yeah exactly yes the voice what is it the voice maker voice maker oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) Asher what about you just whack it all in there actually my Mm. mum makes the most incredible um, chestnut and pork stuffing Ooh. and add that to anything and it just tastes yeah, like a dream nice. so. do you what about leftover veg how do we feel about that soggy uh bubble and squeak bubble and oh squeak. nice yeah yes. nice. So definitely yes. partial to a bit of bubble and squeak mm-hmm. presumably not in a sandwich but it's like potatoes do you want roast potatoes in a sandwich i mean that's carb yes. on carb that is carbon carb i do like a crisp sandwich <laughs> i well. mean anything goes mm. really yeah. yeah carb on carb is perfectly mm-hmm. acceptable i think you just have to, yeah, yeah exactly you've just got to go for the carbs and <laughs> worry about it later <laughs> 
when it comes to how millennials spend their money, everyone seems to have an opinion and it's really a good one. Apparently, today's 22 to 37-year-olds are bad at saving, too frivolous when it comes to shopping and still dependent on their parents. But is any of this actually true? We spoke to Taylor Flynn, head of marketing at Credit Fix, to debunk the spending myths that plague our generation. It says the generation. Our generation. My generation. Um, So this included things like millennials wasting their money on fancy brunches, moving back in with their parents, and spending all of their money travelling the world. Heather, Astrid, do these apply to you? I've never moved back in with my parents, mainly because they just live far away, Mm. so... I wouldn't. I, wouldn't I think that's a luxury that. afforded to people whose parents live closer. Well, to to, to where way, they want to work. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Maybe I would have done if that was the case. Yeah. but no, they're lucky that neither me or my sister have ever gone ventured <laughs> back. <laughs> yeah, I do find it. It is quite funny. Everyone says you know millennials spend all their money on coffee and avocado and stuff like that. But do you think we get an unfair rap? I think for a lot of people, they see owning a flat or getting married and having kids it's something that's so far off in the future because they can't imagine how they'd save that money Mm -hmm. so perhaps people are a bit more frivolous because they're like what's the point in saving Mm -hmm. I'm going to be saving for 25 years for a flat deposit so I might as well have fun while I'm young so I can see why maybe that's a habit that people Mm. get into but I've seen you know stats before I haven't got any in front of me when they're like even if people didn't have a brunch every week or spent say 15 pounds on coffee a week you still wouldn't be able to save up mm-hmm. with that money that yeah. you've spent Astrid do any of these apply to you I think I'm, I'm really on the same page as Heather mm-hmm. like yeah I probably do eat out a little bit too much mm-hmm. but equally yeah if I'm gonna squirrel that money away on like brunch money away it's not gonna buy mm-hmm. me a house is it I think it's a really important point that that we just don't have the luxury that our parents might have had the chances are that we're not going to be able to afford the things that they were saving towards so therefore it, it's just a completely different mm. landscape isn't it of spending um, there was a really horrible stat in here though that made me nervous that said according to research from a specialist bank Aldermore 74% of millennials are saving regularly and a study by the Bank of America shows that one in six millennials in the US have savings of a hundred thousand dollars so I think we should be moving to the US because <laughs> I certainly don't know any millennials in the UK with savings anywhere yeah, near. Yeah, but I think that. their student debt is worse. I think that's probably true. Mm, yes, yeah. yes, that is so true. So maybe they're just scrabbling for funds and they <laughs> yeah. probably get paid more. Yeah, that is so but true. But I think this is the first generation, isn't it? The millennial generation that are earning less than the, than yeah. the previous generation. Yes, yeah. Um, I don't think any of these things are specific to millennials. I have to say, this is just being young mm. I think you want to travel when you're young I think you you go out more when yeah. you're young mm-hmm. you don't have kids you're spending money on brunches you're going out you're spending money online yes that is called being young mm. I don't think this is I think I think millennials do get a bad rap I think people especially mm. tabloid newspapers like to give them a fair bashing mm. but I think there's a there's a bit of anxiety in that I think it's just older journalists feeling threatened by them <laughs> and uh, and giving them a bashing but also they're saying on they uh, one of the myths is millennials spend all their money out on the town but then you also see all the headlines about how millennials don't go out yeah. and aren't drinking don't and have and sex don't drink yeah. don't do drugs and just stay in and watch netflix all the it's time all comes so which down is to, it <laughs> to money yeah totally it's uh, you know i think all of this you can take it all back to the fact that there is just less money around mm-hmm. for millennials and also just on that going out point like 
like exactly as you say again debunking that myth research shows that younger generations are spending four times more on fitness than they are on drinking sessions you know i think that just because we're spending more on things that are deemed to be frivolous by Mm -hmm. by older generations it doesn't mean that those aren't like worthwhile things to be spending your money on even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're someone that lives to travel, a full-time desk job can get in the way of that. But times are changing and there are now certain jobs you can do remotely, meaning you can explore the globe without quitting your job. These include things like being a writer, uh, being an online English teacher, but also things that traditionally would have tied you to a desk, like being a project manager or even in marketing. Anyone here tempted to sack it all off and work remotely? Did you do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, I did. I went freelance in 2012, I think. Mm-hmm. And before that, I was at Vogue for most of my career, sitting at a desk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from having done both, I, I prefer working remotely, but I really enjoy working in office as well. Mm-hmm. I think what you give up working from home or from wherever you are around the world is that community and the sense of being able to throw ideas around and having a, uh, having an audience to mm-hmm. talk to, but and also the gossip, I have to say, yeah, yeah especially in Vogue, yeah, the gossip was was premium class, <laughs> <laughs> and the shopping and the showing of purchases from sample sales that was always quite fun. Yeah. But saying that, I could never really get a big piece written at Vogue in the office. I would have to go and write it at home. So now I have that kind of concentration. Mm. And when I left, I really wanted to do more writing Mm -hmm. because I was editing there as well as writing. And so that was really necessary for me to not be in the office to do that. And also to be able to travel. Yes. So I can file a piece from an airport in Botswana. Oh, dream. (laughs) Why don't don't I have this desk job? This is something we talk about a lot, the productivity that you get when you're not stuck at a desk. And, you know, I'm completely with you. If I have something long to write, Mm. I I can't do it here. So whenever I, I go back into an office, it feels sometimes if we're talking about ideas that I'm from a different planet. You you don't take into account how much you guys work in advance and how mm. much you know and how much you are funneled information all the time, all the time, which you just don't have as a mm-hmm. working remotely. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. How do you guys feel about it? Yeah, I mean, I work from home on a Wednesday, which obviously mm. isn't the same thing. But yeah, I do find I manage to get loads done. But I'm always very like happy and keen to come back in on the Thursday because it is, yeah, that difference between mm. just being there on your own and kind of beavering away and then actually being in an office environment yeah. and just having normal conversations. And so true. 
things like that. So yeah, it's kind of the best of both for me at the moment. That's true. I think it's kind of you always want what you what you don't have. Yeah, that's like so true. Yeah. we always say, if there's a rare day that we work, if I work from home, I get I'm so productive and I really feel like I've like blitzed that to do list. But equally, if I worked from home every day, I'd be kind of itching to you know yeah see the sample. I'd be watching this But I think it's definitely it's obviously something that people are moving more towards. Mm. But yeah, well, would... I mean, prosaically, it's a lot harder to work for yourself and then organise all your tax. Yeah. True, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of benefits to True. being a full-time and, employee. And not having, you know, and organising your pension and yeah. all those kind of incredibly prosaic, really boring, but yeah. utterly essential things. Like so getting true. paid for sick days still and things Holidays. like that. All those, yeah. And chasing yeah. people. Just yeah, yeah paid invoices. By yeah. That's the main Jobs. thing I keep hearing from people recently who I know who are freelance. Like they almost having to spend a day of their five mm. where they work kind of yeah chasing payment and it's yeah. not it makes yeah it's not a very nice thing yeah, to have to do insecure isn't it yeah you want the best of both worlds is to be able to just be a bit more flexible mm. isn't it within mm-hmm. working i read a thing this weekend it was a quote from somebody i can't remember who saying that the nine to five was like the worst thing that's ever happened to humanity and i, th- I think that's really true i think it's re- i don't you know there's it's not necessarily the way that it should be or has to be and just because historically that's you know it's all been about like the grind, it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that that's the most productive way to work. But I hear what you're saying, and mm. there's definitely some pros to being an employee as well, isn't there? Yeah. Mm. My mum has always actually really, really encouraged me to to pursue a career as a writer because she was a lawyer and found it so difficult once she'd had children to go back to work and ended up kind of setting up her own practice. But, you know, still you get that real kind of difficult you know, work-life balance issue and has always encouraged me to do a job that you could kind of go back to you know, and dip in and out of um, at different stages in your life. So mm. I definitely think that we're all lucky um, in that sense. But apparently there are loads of different jobs now you can do remotely, yeah. whether it's being a graphic designer uh, to a web developer. I think the key is tech, really, isn't it? You have mm. to do something that yeah. is computer-based. You can still speak to people wherever you are, kind of. Yeah, but do, and do and your job on yeah, a computer. Demonstrate what you've done. Exactly. Yes. Okay, a little bit of me again, sorry. Mm. The Wedding Diaries is back. I've only got six months to go until my wedding, so uh, this month's instalment was about the details. It turns out there's a lot of details that need to be taken in consideration. I was having nightmares um, at the beginning of last week, which made me realise that I really needed to tick some things off the to-do list. And uh, there's a lot to tick off from things like what colour you want the dance floor to what songs you want played. There's basically a lot of random shit that you really need to consider, which you probably would never have thought about before. My favourite detail, Mm. which I think makes total sense, but again, would never enter my head, is having a band list of songs. So songs you really don't like. Yes. I would have never have thought to have done that. I was showing Pascal my list of things that I really don't like, and she was like, these are all really good songs. But like, no, (laughs) there's only one song on the Please Play list. (laughs) which is Toto Africa. That's nice. it. That's the only one that everybody can agree on so far. So yeah, we're just going to have that on repeat at this rate. Charlotte, you're married. Yes. Did you find the process of planning a wedding stressful? Yes. I remember the Friday before we did it in Italy, we had mm-hmm. a planner. It got married in 2008, which is a long time ago. <laughs> 10 years ago this year. And I remember the Friday before the wedding, which was happening the following day, just turning around to my boyfriend at the time and saying... Do you know what? I just really don't want to do this. <laughs> it's just people are asking me questions. Oh, the questions. The questions. The questions are so many. It's as if people have never been able to conduct their own lives. It's like they've never been on holiday before. The questions that you go ask when you're mm. planning How do I wedding. get a taxi? Yes. Mm. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, are the flights available yet? I mean, I don't own EasyJet, so... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that was hideous. And my very good friend said, why don't you go and have a bath? Mm-hmm. 
and let's not talk about this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's happening. But um, it all came together in the end. Thankfully, yeah. yes. But the details are annoying. But having done it, I have to say that all those things that really niggled and you were stressed about really don't matter on the day. And you mm-hmm. kind of forget, oh, that thing didn't arrive. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I think that's really true if you're the bride and groom. But I've been to weddings where like things are really glaringly obvious and we were like, Either they were really good, like, oh, that was a really nice detail, and that actually kind of made the wedding, like, I referenced the shop bar um, in here. That a friend, they yeah, just, like, like that. They just, like, stuck, like, this sign at the end of the bar that was, like, have a shot for blah, blah. And with a row of, I mean, they were, like, those grim toffee vodkas and all of that. But it was, you know, whatever. Yeah. It, it kind of, it was a place for all the young people to kind of congregate. Or when things have not been great, little details, like there haven't been enough water. Or, like, you know, small things like yeah. that that actually, as a guest, Huge. that they might yeah. not have noticed. But as a guest, you come away being, like oh my god that actually made the night really shit yeah. so yeah. that's the pressure I think yeah I went to a wedding where there was it was a three courser there just wasn't enough food oh, there was, it was kind of sharing charcuterie to start with and like the person opposite me kind of hoovered the lot <laughs> and yeah the dessert was the cake which we had later but oh. it was all lovely stuff but everyone was smashed yeah. That, yeah, everyone was so food. drunk by the time the kind of 10pm fish and chips and stuff came yeah, out yeah. everyone because there was so much booze around that wedding and it, it was very fun everyone had a great time mm. But the next day, like even the bride and groom were like kind of really nursing Ooh. hangovers, and everyone was like, "Yeah, that was that was, was messy." Rough, and I think, yeah, if you just have had a bit more food, even just a load of bread or yeah. something, <laughs> it, it would have helped. Because yeah, by about five o'clock, everyone was pretty steamed. Because also, not everybody wants to do that. That's fine if you, if you <clears throat> drink or whatever. Yeah. But if you don't drink or I don't know, you're pregnant or something, yeah. and you're a guest. That's exactly. A, that's yeah. a bit rubbish. It was also a boiling hot day, so oh, I think again, there God. wasn't really any water, so everyone was yeah. just like, "Oh, they've got oh, nice detail aside." I said to the wedding planner, like, however much you think is enough water, double it. Like, it's so shit when you're so so thirsty. The amount of hot churches I've sat sat in in the Mm -hmm. summer, and I mean, I usually remember to take a bottle of water because you never know, like, how long it's going to be to be able to have a drink. But yeah, so that is a good one to know. Water, I feel really passionately about that. Every so often, there are stories that we put in the calendar that may not sound that exciting when you read the title, but actually, they perform really well because there are little life hacks that our readers really come to us for. So, we had actually we had a thing with a steamer, a very very popular steamer earlier in the year, and now it's the cashmere care product that everybody needs. It's simply a fuzz off lint remover by Maxim. It costs four pounds fifty, but it really does rejuvenate your cashmere. Cashmere. <laughs> in your years at Vogue, did mm. you learn any? T- well, cashmere or knitwear generally any mm. any top tips for looking after your clothes gosh I did go through a stage of putting everything in the freezer wow what does that yes. do so to freeze any chances of if it, uh, yeah it's kind of a something you do before you get moss as well okay preventative yeah that would be the word mm, preventative yes. thank you yes, so how long would you have to leave them in the freezer for I mean, I'd just put them in there and forget about it. <laughs> you just do it for 24 hours. Okay. Just in case they've got any of the eggs yeah, on there. Yeah, that kills the eggs. It kills the eggs. So I used to do that. And then a fair bit of invisible mending okay. of favourite pieces. But the little bastards, they do get they them. They do get yeah. them, don't they? I know. We've had a lot of moths had, them. Even if you've had, you know, mothballs and bombs and all sorts of nonsense. We haven't got them at the moment, thank God. But we did in our old flat, we had moths. It's the worst. And it was a pain. I used to take everything out and you have to air everything and make sure everything... And I used to turn over my wardrobe the whole time and hoover into the back corners of the <laughs> shelves and use cedar balls and, uh, you know, there's endless. Yeah. My husband just says, it's London. Ash, what about you? Any tips? If you have a jumper that has a hole in it or just needs a little bit of 
you know, pick me up. Mm-hmm. There's an amazing service called Cashmere Care Service. They're based up in Scotland and I think they are like a mail up there so they really know their stuff when it comes to knitwear. You send your piece off, they charge you £29 and they send it back as good as new. They wash it perfectly. They do all the combing of whether it's knitwear, angora, whatever. And they repair any little holes or anything that's in it, whether it's a moth hole or you've torn something. And then they send it back to you beautifully packaged as if it's brand new. That's insane. It's £30. Yeah. I also kind of think that there's not that much point in spending crazy amounts of money on knitwear because they do have a lifespan. Like Obviously, the the more you spend, the better quality things Mm -hmm. will be. But, you know chances are a moth's going to get to it or mm-hmm. it's just going to be wear and tear so yeah, be, be realistic when it comes to your knitwear I think that's all really good advice Hella any tips? Um, not really I don't think I've ever had a moth infestation I don't mm. think I don't know how you know if you've had one just I just haven't had just yeah, yeah no I don't yeah I was going to say I don't mm. think I have thank god you probably don't have moths because you don't live in London Yes, maybe that's it. So that brighter air. Okay, let's very quickly chat some fashion before we chat a little bit more travel. Leather shirts. We did a roundup last week. Anyone tempted? A leather shirt. A leather shirt. For sure. Cool. Yeah, I love a leather shirt. How would you wear a leather shirt? You could wear it with a silk skirt. You could wear it with jeans. You could wear it with black trousers. I think that's a really fundamental item for your wardrobe oh, I love actually. that I like hearing that yeah. that's very fresh actually, I feel like you have one I have a, I've had a leather shirt yeah. for years it's actually from Zara but it's, it was quite expensive for Zara mm. and this was like six seven years ago wow. it was like 160 pounds I remember getting it in the sale with some Christmas money I had oh. and I still have it to this yeah. day and yeah it's a real it's just like, really useful isn't it yeah, yeah. You, I kind of sometimes wear it open more as a kind of shacket I'm definitely after that I read that piece so I'm gonna bring I feel it out. like I need a might need a new one a little update well we've done an edit of some really great ones on the site from Joseph Tamaj to Utake there's not that many cheap ones around that's the only thing I'd say they're mostly real um, that's That's the thing you do have to get a real leather one whereas with like leather leggings and stuff you some yeah. faux ones look okay. Yeah, you could get away with like uh, a pleather skinny, but yeah. not a pleather shirt. Yeah, because imagine it wouldn't yeah. sit right. Yeah. It would just be sweaty. Yeah. And quickly, headbands. They're back. There's a lot of pearl ones around, embellish, velvet. I mean, pretty much everything. There's a lot of Blair Waldorf style going yes. on. <laughs> Heather, I feel like you I could rock a hairband. Really I, I don't know. I'm scarred by them from school when you had to wear them. They just always... I think I've got a weird-shaped head, but they always give me a massive headache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've just not gone near them mm, I like the idea of one Hattie can really rock Hattie, one Hattie our content coordinator really rocks her hair back yeah, she's, she's got a proper like Blair Waldorf look going yeah. on she has she? yeah, yeah. When, whenever she wears one I'm like oh that looks great but yeah, yeah I've never thought to do it myself but I just need one that doesn't pinch yeah I would wear a slightly larger one that looks almost like a headpiece yes yeah. I love yeah. these like thick yes thick like velvet ones one yeah, yeah, yeah they are amazing and you could wear it to an event or something yes but I day to day there were a few of those actually at um <laughs> Princess Eugenie's wedding, there were a few yes. g- younger g- like girls, like her contemporaries, wearing yeah. big hairbands. Okay, let's end by chatting about a little bit more travel. Charlotte, I want to know, where's on your hit list for next year? Where should we all be looking to go in 2019? <laughs> well, it's on my hit list. I don't know whether everyone should go there. No, go on. it's pretty impossible to get there. Um, Bhutan. I knew you were going to say yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew that was going to be your answer. That is, I want to go there so badly. Yeah, so there's new Six Senses properties. Oh, looking so amazing. amazing. So I'm going out there. And it's hard <clears> to get to. It's not particularly hard to get to. Don't even know if there are direct flights, but I, you can certainly get there via Delhi. Yeah, mm. it's somewhere that you have to pay quite a substantial amount of money to be there. I don't know if it's hard to get to, but traditionally, until quite recently, yeah, you weren't really allowed in either, were you? They yeah, they quite... really restrict their tourism. Mm. They make you pay a lot of money yes. to be there. Day what do you by mean, day? like as in you're paying a tax when you're there? Yeah, so that they protect the purity yeah, yeah, and yeah. the pristineness of the countryside, Gosh. which. Yeah. 
It's great, yes, but it means that traveling there is incredibly prohibitively expensive for yeah. most people. Yeah, anywhere else, or anywhere closer to home. Well, you could just go to Nepal, I guess, next door. But uh, yes. no, uh, anywhere closer to home. My husband and I live in Sweden, Sweden for six months, and I'd like to go back out there. Always uh, love traveling by train, all up into kind of the wilds, um, north of Sweden. Um, I'd like to go and visit the archipelago there. And is there anywhere that is, you know, has been on this year's hit list that maybe, or or has been a hot destination in the past that maybe it's time to look to, or maybe there's an alternative? Yeah, I mean, I would say Ibiza is on every list, hmm. but I'm going there. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you know? Yeah, so what do I know? <laughs> what I would say about Ibiza is, for me, it's all about going there out of season. Yes. So I have a friend who's got a house there. And she has been going since she was a child mm-hmm. and she only goes in September, October time. Yeah. She completely avoids August. Christmas time, I've been there before New Year, is a really great time to go to Ibiza because you can go to yeah. some of the beach restaurants are open on the beach, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, lots of the restaurants are open. There's a kind of cool crowd there. When I was there a few years ago, Isabel Morant was there and I know designers go there. Oh out of season yeah yeah it's interesting New York is not dissimilar actually like not in terms of crowd but mm. um but weather wise I've had Christmas days on the beach in New York in the past mm. it's not it's not guaranteed yeah. but yeah. yeah you can you can get lucky there can't you yeah take a boat out yeah. go to Formentera all those things that you like to do in summer but with Without crowds. the crowds. Yeah. yeah. Good tip. That's what's mm. off putting so yeah. yeah. And if you're looking for any kind of bargains in the new year or whether it's looking forward to next summer mm. where it's kind of good to go on a budget. Budget travel is not really Europe anymore. No. I mean, Eastern Europe, you mm. can still get bargains. Lots of people talk about Georgia at the moment. Yes. I really want to go to Georgia. Georgia is a kind of hot spot. Transylvania. Interesting. Yeah. Walking around Transylvania, there's some amazing hiking routes. And then, I mean, just go to Asia, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go to Asia. Just go to Thailand. I think we've got about four months left of winter, haven't we? Mm. So anywhere we should really be looking at for a bit of winter sun. Oh, winter sun, I thought you were going to say snow. Um, oh, well, great. Well, we do know. <laughs> snow would be the obvious question. So <laughs> let's do sun and then snow. Sun. I mean, you've just got to head towards the equator, haven't you? Mm-hmm. South. My mum lives in Sydney. That's always oh, a good amazing. bet. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm offering everyone to go stay with her, but <laughs> Sydney, Southeast Asia, Indonesia is very interesting at the moment. Mm-hmm. Philippines, really interesting. Really Philippines. Hotels yeah. opening up. South Africa, Cape Town. Mm-hmm. We lived there for five months. Lovely. That's a beautiful place to be in in winter. Really interesting things happening. Great jump off point for the rest of Africa mm. or Southern Africa. Namibia, I've just come back from. A lot of sun there. Yeah. <laughs> what was Namibia like? Beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. So I went there once with my husband. We camped. Uh, we had a Toyota Hilux and used a little pop-up tent on the roof <laughs> and went to these incredible campsites. So that was really rough and ready. Amazing. Doing like brides, barbecues, and the jackals coming in and stealing sausages <laughs> off the amazing bride. But this time it was new lodges and kind of incredible shipwreck um, coast spots. Winter sun. I mean, I just I love a bit of Seychelles. Oh, I want to do the Seychelles. Yeah, that's making nice. Snow. So I've just written a piece about skiing. You have for, for us, Sheila. Yes, yes. For, to run in a few weeks' time, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So in that, I mentioned Verbier. Mm-hmm which is a kind of winter snow hotspot mm-hmm. um, in the kind of same vein as, as Ibiza and Mykonos really are mm-hmm. in the summer. It has that sort of mythic quality. Expensive, but mm-hmm. amazing. And not as flashy as your Courchevals, your Summerets. It's not about wearing your Chanel 
head to toe look or okay. what do you want to do? <laughs> in Verbier it's really about who is the king of the mountain is really the best skier okay that's so a good the, thing yeah it's yeah. not the richest it's, and and Verbier because it has such extraordinary off-piste and I think it's like 400 kilometers of piste means that you have to be a good skier to be there okay. it's not about posing and if you want, sorry, I feel like this is putting you on the spot, but if you no. wanted to not spend a fortune and go skiing. Yes. Okay. So, so in that piece, I also <laughs> say uh, this little French Alpine village called Les Coureaux, where, where my husband's family have a place. So we've been going there for years and that's very, it's not cheap, but it's much cheaper than your kind of big starry mm-hmm. resorts and a bit more feasible. Okay. Kind of a gem in its typicality. Not not really special for anything. Lovely. Perfectly lovely, but perfectly ordinary alpine food. Mm. Dream. Nice places yeah. to stay. Ski in, ski out, but not too expensive. The Milk Hotel is... The Milk. Milk Hotel. That sounds lovely. Ski in, ski out. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll leave it there. Thank you so much, Charlotte, for joining mm, us. I feel... God, ready to book like 15 more holidays now before everybody else does. Um, If you enjoyed that, please do rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends and we'll see you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.